7, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. And Sister Christy, I, I don't have connectivity this morning, so I appreciate um, your help. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 7. It says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. You know, today, when you leave here, you may say, you know what, what you guys fixing to do is, well, we're going to go get some lunch. In other words, our days are marked by getting. There's a lot of things that we need to go and get. We need to go to the store and get some milk, or we need a this or that. And, and so there's a lot of things that we go after and that we pursue. And so when he says, in all you're getting, because so much of our lives and so much of our energy and so many of our resources are consumed by this thing called getting. He's saying, make sure that in all of your getting, get understanding. Don't, don't leave the wisdom of the Lord. Don't leave the knowledge of God. Don't leave the wisdom that he's made available for you out of what you pursue in life. First part of this verse begins with wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Anytime you see a therefore in the scriptures, it should be understood as in light of what was just spoken, in light of what you were just told. So because wisdom is the principal thing, our instructions are to get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, for a brief review, this word principle means the one factor that has the most influence on the result. Or we could say it this way, the one factor among many factors that has the most influence on how something turns out. So there could be many factors in any situation or circumstance, but there's one factor that will have more to do with how it turns out than any other factor, and that factor is wisdom. That factor is wisdom. Now, I am a faith child of a faith God. We are faith people. We walk by faith, not by sight. Every person in this room has been given the measure of faith. And faith is certainly a key factor in our success in life. Not saying it's not a factor, it is a factor. But faith with no wisdom on how to use faith is going to cause faith to pretty much lay dormant in your heart instead of produce the results it could have otherwise produced. So when, when he says wisdom is the principal thing, he's, he's not just saying something that sounds good or is poetic. He's really emphasizing the importance of our pursuit of wisdom. So because wisdom is the principal thing, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Now, what I want to focus on this morning is how do we get wisdom? And James chapter 1 verse 5 says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll give it to you without condescending and and will give it to you liberally. So we know that, that wisdom is available for us from God if we ask. In other words, he's ready and willing to give his wisdom to you and his wisdom covers everything from money to marriage. It, he, he, Father has wisdom uh, for anything and everything that has to do with your life. 
on a, on a personal level, uh, an individual level, uh, generally speaking, um, and in and, and, and all the details and, and all the different facets. Uh, if you need uh, help in raising children, if you need help in managing money, if you need uh, help with your, uh, you know, your, your relationships of every kind, not just marriage relationships. Um, again, Father God has wisdom for those different situations and, and, and areas of your life that will produce uh, greater results, uh, positive results um, in your life. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So we've looked at the passage out of the Old Testament. Now let's go back to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. It says this, however, we speak the wisdom, I'm sorry, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. If you underline things in your Bible or highlight things in your Bible, underline that phrase for our glory. And then you may want to like take a pen and underline O-U-R, our, two or three uh, little times there. Because a lot of folks are amazed to see this in the Bible because the Bible talks so much about the things that we're to do to give glory to God, things that are for His glory that we've really, I think, missed that Father has put in His Word some instructions concerning our glory, or let's personalize it, your glory, my glory. Now, the glory of a thing is simply when a thing is operating at its highest and best. It, 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 it's when uh, something is is uh, functioning at a, at a very high level uh, of, of success, a very high level of productivity. Um, you know, sometimes we say, man, I'm in a zone, you know, when we're, when we're really making a lot of progress in an area. Other, other times we, we may, you know, be just phoning it in, you know, doing our best. <laughs> and, and, and so when we talk about the glory of, of, of man, we're talking about when an individual human being is, is fulfilling and accomplishing uh, the fullest and best life that God created them to live. And notice now, we can't do that apart from God's wisdom. You will never have your best life without God's wisdom. If you try to live your life according to the wisdom of this world, you're at best going to have an inferior life, if not a miserable one. But God, notice our Creator Father, the Bible says that He has appointed, He has he has ordained, that word ordained means appointed wisdom for our glory, and yet that wisdom, the wisdom that you need, the wisdom that I need, amen, the Bible says has been hidden. Hidden for you, not from you. Now let's make sure we understand this as well. Hidden for you, not from you. It was hidden from the enemies of God, but it was hidden for the children of God. But because it's hidden, this means that we've got to do something to uncover it. Or we've got to do something to discover it. Amen. Because it is covered. The idea of it being hidden means that it's covered. And so we, we must then do something on our part in order to see it or to hear it or to understand it. Amen. Now, I want you to go back with me to the book of Proverbs. This time, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Amen. Proverbs chapter 1. I appreciate you uh, 
turn into all these verses, and, and again, we'll put them up on the screen. Those of you who may not have a Bible or, or uh, a neighbor who's not being kind and letting you look on with them. I'm just kidding. Amen. All right, so Proverbs chapter 1. Now, before I even read anything for Proverbs 1, we just read in 1 Corinthians that the wisdom for your best life has already been made available, but is, has been hidden or it's been concealed, all right? And, and therefore is going to require some sort of effort, some sort of action on our part. Now, I want to make sure we're connecting all these dots together. Remember, he said, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Now we see in 1 Corinthians that wisdom for our glory has been hidden for us. And James, just to put that on top of it, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. So now we're, we're looking at how do we make this connection? How, how, how do we receive the wisdom of God? How, how, do, how do we um, find what he's already put in place for us? Right now, let's build on this. Proverbs chapter one, in verse number twenty. Wisdom calls aloud outside. I think the King James version says, "Calls aloud in the streets." She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. Now, let's stop right here. I've got several more verses from this chapter in my notes. But let's just stop right here for just a moment because really what's next is important. But if we don't, if we don't get this first part, we don't have anything in place to support the next part. All right? So let's make sure we understand this because here the Bible says that wisdom is outside crying aloud. That wisdom is lifting her voice in the open squares, literally in the marketplaces. The voice of wisdom is there. The voice of wisdom is outside crying aloud, lifting her voice in the marketplaces, and she cries out in the chief concourses. Literally, at the main thoroughfares of life. At the main intersections of life. I don't know if it's still the case, but there was a time when the intersection of Highway 150 and US 31 in Hoover was the busiest intersection in the state of Alabama. Now, I don't know if that's still the case. Obviously, lots grown since my involvement with the city of Hoover back in those days. It was the busiest intersection in the state of Alabama. So when it says the chief concourses, it's talking about the major intersections of life where, where there's more activity, where there's more people coming and going, amen, than any other place in the city. Wisdom is right there on the street corner crying aloud. Wisdom is right there raising her voice. Wisdom is right there making herself available to everybody who comes through that intersection. We also see that in addition to wisdom being 
at the chief concourses, at the major intersections, at the openings of the gates in the city. She's also there speaking her words. So the openings of the gates, this means where people come and go, where people enter and exit. Notice again, if, if, we, uh, if, if we wanted to, sometimes we, we get so caught up in worship that we don't receive an offering like we would traditionally do it. And, and you know, people will be out there waving their envelopes at me. Hey, we want to give this morning, you know. So we'll do what? We'll, we'll put some ushers by the exits because everyone is going to have to pass by that exit. So he's talking about the gate of the city. In other words, if, if you wanted to get something, if you wanted to give something to every person in this room, the easiest way to do it would be to stand at the door because everybody in this room is going to have to pass by one of these two exits to get out of this room, right? But notice, everywhere people come in and everywhere people go out, wisdom is there speaking her words. Now, some of you are already ahead of me, I hope. Uh, at least all of you are still with me if you're not ahead of me. How do we reconcile wisdom being described as hidden in 1 Corinthians 2 but crying aloud in the streets in Proverbs 1. It almost sounds like one of those has to be right and the other one has to be wrong. In other words, how can wisdom be both hidden and crying aloud outdoors? How can wisdom be hidden for us and at the same time standing on the street corner of the major intersections in our lives, right, shouting out to us, uh, the wisdom of God. Now, what I'm hoping you're seeing this morning, and, and if you're not seeing it yet, I want to help you see it, right? A lot of you this morning, you're at one of those major intersections in your life. You're at a crossroads this morning. You've got a decision to make. Do I go right? Do I go left? Do I stand still? Or do I keep plowing straight ahead? You're at that crossroads, right? Should I stay or should I go? Should I turn? Should I this? Should I that? And listen to me, please. Wisdom is right there with you at that crossroads, shouting out to you what you need to do, telling you where you need to go, telling you the turns you need to make. Wisdom is there at every crossroad, at every decision, even in the marketplaces when it's time to buy or sell stocks or buy milk for your family. Are you understand what I'm saying? Everywhere you go where money is being traded, where goods are being bought and sold, where, where we have decisions to make, where there's uh, you know coming and going. Amen. Every, listen, let, let me say it this way. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. When you get up and leave your house this morning, left your house this morning, wisdom was by the door you exited your house speaking to you this morning. When your garage door went up and your car backed out, wisdom was standing there by the door as it went up, right? Speaking wisdom, words of wisdom to you. You say, well, how, how can it be hidden and be that vocal? See, here's the problem. We're just blowing through intersections not paying any attention to wisdom. We're just coming and going in our lives. We're going to get this and get that. And, and, and our focus and our thoughts are not on getting wisdom. Our, our, our focus and our thoughts are on getting what we think we need, getting what we think we want, getting whatever it is that, that you know, is trying to keep our heads above water one more day in this world. And wisdom is there, but we're ignoring her. Wisdom is there. And, and everywhere we turn, everywhere we go, that's what he's saying, is that not only is wisdom there, the wisdom of God is there, and she's crying aloud 
God to us. Verse 22, let's keep reading. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Let's stop here for a moment. Simple one. The best definition I can give you for that word simple there would be our word naive. Naive. How long will the naive ones love their naivete? Or have you say that? Amen. Now, I'm giving you that word when I say it's the best word because it really doesn't capture, in my humble opinion, it really doesn't capture the essence of what he's saying here. When he's talking about someone who is simple or naive, he's talking about someone who thinks they have it all figured out and don't. He's talking about someone who has all the understanding that they uh, you know, desire in life and aren't really interested in pursuing anything beyond what they know and what they understand right now. Your enemy, the devil, is a relentless negotiator. And he is constantly trying to negotiate you into a lesser position in life than your heavenly Father created you for. And one of his number one strategies against you is to trivialize you. To, to make you believe that what you have right now is all there is available to have. And for you to become satisfied with your station in life. For you to become satisfied with your lot in life. There's a difference bet between being content in the Lord and being satisfied with what you have right now. One is of God to be content no matter what condition you find yourself in to be content inwardly. Amen. But the Apostle Paul said that he's continuing to reach forward to lay hold of that with which Christ Jesus has laid hold of him. Notice, what is he saying? He's saying there's so much more in life than we've yet to tap into. There's so much more that Father God has made available for us because of what our big brother Jesus did for us on the cross. And yet so many of God's people aren't interested in going after those things at all. They've gotten just enough to get some relief They've, they've received just enough of God's wisdom to work in their lives to make things a little bit better for themselves. And they let off the gas. They, 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 they pull back and they don't keep pressing. They don't keep pushing. This is what he's saying when he's, when he's talking about a simple one. How, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For the scorner delights in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. A scorner is, is one who, who turns his or her nose up at someone offering them something better or something more, right? The scorner is the one who says something like this, I tried that tithing stuff and it didn't work for me. It's just a scorner, right? It's, it's clearly something that Father God has ordained in His Word, but, but they're making light of it. They're, they're, they're talking negatively of it. They're, they're, and sometimes people do that verbally out loud. Other times it's just an, an attitude of the heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my Spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. All right, so let's stop here. This is our first, I think, real 
practical instruction. Turn at my rebuke. A word of rebuke is when God's wisdom comes to us to bring correction. A word of rebuke is, is when it, a word comes that says, what you're doing is, is wrong, you should do it this way. That's a rebuke. A rebuke isn't just somebody fussing at you or, or, or talking you know, uh, uh, you know, down to you. That's not, what he's, that's not what a rebuke is. A rebuke is when, when a word comes from, by the way, every word he's ever spoken to you has been with your best interest in mind, right? It's when a word comes to, to, to get you to do something different from what you've been doing, amen, and yet so many do not turn when wisdom at the intersection says turn. We don't turn. We just keep going on in the direction that we've always gone. Or let me say it another way. We keep doing what we've always done, right? But notice he says if we will turn at the rebuke, something will happen. If you'll turn at my rebuke, Wisdom says, I will pour my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. I'll pour my spirit on you, and I'll make my words known to you. I think you got it a while ago, but I want to just backtrack just a little bit to make sure that you understand. Wisdom is crying out loud to you everywhere you go. The problem we have is we don't hear it. We don't, we don't recognize the words of wisdom. We don't recognize the voice of wisdom. We, we, don't, we don't hear her when she speaks to us in that way. But notice now, if we'll turn at the rebuke, wisdom will pour its spirit on you, and then what will happen? Then I will make my words known to you. So there's something that we must do. And the idea is, if we turn at a rebuke, this means that we're, we're doing what? We're receiving instruction. Which, by the way, you'll never do unless you what? Humble yourself. You humble yourself. You admit that you're wrong and that, and that you need some wisdom, you need some help, that there, there's more to life than what you're experiencing right now. You're not offended by that. And you turn at that rebuke. When that happens, he says, I'll pour my spirit on you. Now, one of my favorite prayers in all the Bible is in Ephesians 1, where Paul said he did not cease to make mention of the church in his prayers, praying by giving thanks to God for them, by praying that God would give to them what? A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Now, what he's talking about here is something on the inside that recognizes God's wisdom. Jesus prayed this prayer often. He prayed for people to have what? Eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. Amen? Eyes to see what? Ears to hear what? Hearts to understand what? Wisdom that's been crying out loud in the streets since before you were ever breathing oxygen in this atmosphere. Amen. God's wisdom is available to you. God's wisdom is crying out to you. Amen. The problem that most have is the attitude of their heart blinds them to the wisdom, deafens them to the wisdom, causes them to be unable to understand and receive the wisdom. 
Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Amen. All right. Let's keep going here. Verse 24. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. You see what wisdom is saying here? I, I called and you, you refused to listen to me. I stretched out my hand. Now, you can stretch out the hand in, in, in different ways. One way that wisdom stretches out her hand to us is she stretches out her hand with a big stop sign, right? She's saying, ho, 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 slow your roll here, daddy. Oh, right. You, 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 don't, don't. No, stop, right? Other ways that, that wisdom extends her hands to us is she extends it like this in, in, in a welcoming way, in, in, in an offering way. She's, she's, she's extending something good to us. Another way wisdom extends her hands to us is with a giant index finger, pointing us in the direction that we need to go. But notice... Wisdom who's crying aloud in the streets, people aren't hearing, people aren't, aren't seeing because they're not turning at her rebuke. She says, I've called and you refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Verse 25, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. You disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Now, I'm going to keep pushing. I almost left this out because I don't want to give anybody the wrong impression. We're going to push on through this. Are you good this morning for a few more minutes? Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not answer find me. Now, notice it says that I also will laugh at your calamity. Now, people read this and they say, man, that doesn't sound like God to me. God laughing at me. He's not, he's not saying God will laugh at your calamity. He's saying the wisdom that tried to stop you, that you disdained, that you ignored, that you refused, right? will be the very thing, right, that now is laughing at you when your way runs its course. Now, the key to understanding this, first of all, is that this is not speaking of God laughing at your calamity. He says if you make your bed in hell, he'll come and get you out of that bed, right? That's the Old Testament version of this. The New Testament version of this is you make your bed in hell, right? So people say you made your bed, now lay in it. Except for Jesus came and laid in our bed for us. We sang about that this morning, right? He laid in our bed for us so that we don't have to lay in that bed. So the heart of God is not to laugh at your calamity, but to try to rescue from you from that calamity. Let me say it another way. The last thing in the world you want somebody to tell you when, when you've done things your own way and it's turned out miserably is for them to say what? I told you so. I told you so. Nobody wants to hear that. Amen. This is what he's saying. Wisdom. Notice now, and, and here's the other key, right? I also will laugh at your calamity. Because the idea is we have mocked wisdom. We have laughed at wisdom. We, we, have, we have ridiculed wisdom by ignoring it. 
So by ignoring and ridiculing and mocking the wisdom, when our wisdom runs its course, it'll be the, the wisdom that was trying to stop us that will mock and ridicule and laugh at us. Now that's, that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's the Word of God. Amen? Now, verse 28, Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. You say, well, man, is he playing hard to get here? No, it's because if, if you don't see anything this morning, what I want you to see is that the wisdom of God that's crying out for you and unto you, you will never hear it, you will never see it, unless you have the right attitude of heart. This is what Jesus was teaching us in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 13, that He came to give us God's wisdom in the form of parables, and it was like a man planting seed, and the seed, if it finds good soil, will produce tremendous results in a man or a woman's life. But it's the condition of the heart, right, towards the Word of God, that has everything to do with whether or not the Word of God, the wisdom of God, will produce results in a man or a woman's life. Amen. That is, that is what we see throughout the Scriptures. Now, let me, let me try to finish this because we've still got communion. Verse 29, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. So when he says they will call out, but I will not answer, you know, there's a difference between saying I'm sorry and saying I'm sorry when I got caught. Are you following me? The Bible says that, that, that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Right? But there is a sorrow of this world that leads to destruction. So the reason that you know, these people, as they're referring to here, they cried out in, in their calamity and wisdom ignored them. It's not because they've humbled themselves. It's because they're, they're in trouble and they, and they just simply want some help, but they don't want the right attitude, amen, that'll make wisdom available to them. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they, will have, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them Verse 33, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Wisdom is crying aloud, but most cannot hear it because of the attitude of their heart. That's really, I think, what I'm trying to get across to us all this morning. Amen? Wisdom is crying aloud. Wisdom is crying aloud, but most cannot hear it because of the attitude of their heart. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you? I didn't mean just slam the brakes on here, but praise God. If we, if we open up this next section, we're going to be here another lengthy period of time. Amen. Let me, let me just, let's just hold on just a second. Let me, let me tell you where we're headed with this, and I, I don't want to try to give you more than you can handle in one session. I'm going to show you in Scriptures, in the Scriptures, where... Those who treat the things of God lightly 
will be treated lightly. But those who treat the things of God with respect, it's another version of what we see in James. God resists the proud, but He gives help. He gives grace to the humble. The attitude of our heart determines our ability to hear. So when you say, well, how is it hidden then? It's hidden from those who refuse to humble themselves and receive what it is that Father has for them to hear. Amen? All right. Those of you who are helping serve communion, if you would, please come forward. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. John Mark, would you mind just, amen. Praise God. As they're coming, and it's okay, guys, y'all, come on. I just want to, I want to pray over this message. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for your wisdom this morning. Thank you, Father, for helping us understand the attitude that we need to hear the voice of wisdom crying aloud at every intersection of our lives, crying aloud in the streets, crying aloud in the marketplace, crying aloud at the entrance and the exit of, of every place we go and come from, Lord, every, every time we go into a new building, a new place of business, what, Lord, wisdom is always there, always there. Help us have the right attitude, Lord, so that we can hear what your wisdom is saying to us. Because it is the single most important factor in how a thing turns out in our lives. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. They're going to begin to serve communion. Um, if you're a member of the body of Christ, and if you're a born-again person, we would love for you to enjoy communion with us. It's not just for people who are part of this family of faith at Heritage. Um, and as you're served communion, if, if you are served first, if you would just hold your elements uh, until everyone has been served, and then we'll uh, partake uh, together. And um, I don't know what, but John Mark's going to lead us in worship. So if we could just remain in an in a attitude of worship as you're being served, and then we'll all partake. Amen.